Hey, this is Craig Wade and Brian Allen Delaney from B Movies and Ebooks, a podcast about cult and horror films and genre fiction. You can catch new episodes on iTunes and Stitcher every Wednesday, or you can watch us live on Blab.im Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. Central. B Movies and Ebooks. We bleed fiction. You're in a zombie apocalypse. You have one weapon, and it's not a gun. What is it? Like a scythe, a car. Grenades. Like a flare gun, maybe. Piranhas. <laughs> bat. A bat? Baseball bat. Hands down. Machete. It's obviously a lobo. <sighs> uh, loppers? Slingshot. <gasps> yeah. Like a ground-mounted slingshot that shoots bricks. Catch the seven deadly questions on The Basement on a Hill. Hear all new episodes every Tuesday. The Basement on a Hill. Horror and comedy for people who hate horror comedies. And welcome to Barely Living the Dream. Uh, once again, I am your host, Mel House, and I'm pretty excited about this episode. Joining me today is somebody that I've been following for a while for various reasons, uh, Lance Myers, aka Lance Fever. Hello. <laughs> and uh, I just, I, I'll go ahead and just tell a little anecdote about sort of how you sort of came into my orbit. Uh, we just talked about this a minute ago, but when I first, when I first started school at UT in Austin, I came in for the orientation. And uh, at the time, I was I was an aerospace engineering major, not a, with a minor in film, not a not a film major. And we did a thing where our um, they would assign somebody to sort of walk us around the neighborhood and tell us what was cool, things to check out. And the guy that we got was this uh, metalhead Arabic dude. And uh, I asked him about <laughs> I asked him about like what kind of shows he'd like to see and you know where to go see live music because I knew Austin was all about that. And he was like, well, you know, you probably wouldn't like a lot of the stuff that I'm into because I'm into a lot of like black metal and death metal and stuff. But there's this band I really love called Gal's Panic. Yes. Yeah. Which is I'm so glad that we like speak to the metalheads. Exactly. I mean, I, seriously, that's yeah, yeah. genuinely ha- makes me happy. It warms my heart. Yeah. Yeah. And at the time. I kind of, I mean, I wasn't into a lot of the super heavy stuff, but I still, I didn't listen to a lot of Scottish type stuff mm-hmm. at the time. Yeah. But I was like, this dude vouched for it. And I saw one of your flyers and it made me really interested to go see your <laughs> show at the Liberty Lunch. And I went and saw it and you guys blew me away. I mean, I was into stuff like Fishbone and stuff like that at the yeah, time. Sure, but sure. but uh, yeah, I mean, just seeing you guys and I immediately bought, I think we need helicopters. Yes. And, had in the CD player constantly. So it's like I first knew you as this amazing front man for this amazing band. But then like as as my band started to play with other guys from your people that had been in your band and uh we made friends with Jer- Jeremy the guitarist and he he let me know that you were now doing film or animated type stuff. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think this was uh this was around the time when you were doing we'll get to this I guess, but when you're doing like the Disneyish or or the bigger anime yeah, the, sure. the bigger pictures. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Holy shit, I didn't know that's awesome." So I made a point to sort of follow you and then when social media started, kind of came to the picture, I'd always sort of find you and see what you had going on because cool. I just really thought it was, you know, what you were doing was cool and then 
I really took to, I guess, your aesthetic as well. Like, I just really like the way you design characters and approach oh, things. And then when I found out you worked on um, a Scanner Darkly, I was like, that's awesome. You know? <laughs> so I made a point yeah. to sort of keep to, to artistically stalk you. All right. <laughs> this, this I'm, I'm honored. Yeah. Thank you. So so I'm really glad that we finally have a chance to sit down and talk about what you have going on. Hell yeah. Uh, so I guess if you would, yeah, you know, take us back. Tell, tell us a little bit about how you kind of got started down that path. Well, I, I mean, I've always wanted to uh, to draw. In fact, um, visual arts was always my that was my first love. Uh, music, I just sort of fell into when I met Germ. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but right. uh, um, so yeah, I mean, I've always liked to draw, and you know, in high school, I, I wanted to be a comic book artist, um, and uh, but not not your typical hero comics. I was way into Mad Magazine. I used to worship those guys, and yeah. I don't know how, how much you follow that old Mad Magazine oh, yeah, stuff. Absolutely. But yeah, I mean, nineteen seventies Mad. My my, I had an uncle who was will, really into that stuff. He was a good artist too, and uh, he had stacks and stacks of like nineteen seventies Mad magazines that I was just like, I fell in love with it. Uh, loved Mort Drucker, Jack Davis, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, all those guys. Yeah. And so much so that I started writing to them, mm -hmm. and I kind of became pen pals with the, uh, Al Jaffe. He wrote me back, and, yeah. and, and like we wrote back, and I sent He's him stuff. He does the floppy feet. Like when no, that's – that's uh, oh, I always geez. get him confused with Yeah, uh, that's Don Martin. Okay, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, but right. You know what I'm talking about. I do, I do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I worshipped all those guys. Um, in fact, I even met William Gaines um, when oh, I was wow. uh, yeah when I was uh, I guess freshman in in college. We took a, a an art trip to New York, uh -huh. and um, you know in inside the the front cover of Mad Magazine, it tells where it's published. It's right. like on Madison Avenue. Mm -hmm. This building, you know, gives the address. So I went there just mm. just because I was you know interested. Right. And uh, went to the building that it said, and and there in the building directory, it said Mad Magazine, thirteenth floor. I just like okay, I got in the elevator, and there was no thirteenth floor. It's like eleven, going up to eleven. It's like okay, what's going on here? Well, I went ahead and, and you know explored the place and, and found like on like the third floor there was a different set of elevators. Mm. Went up there, sure enough, it opens up and there's this big gold sign that says "Mad" across the door. It's like yeah. I've reached the promised land, you know. Yeah. So I'm walking down the hall towards it, and the door swings open, and here comes William Gaines, passes wow. me in the hall. So yeah. Met the the big man, wow. big man himself. But um, so I was way, way into to, to comic books and stuff, and I started drawing comic strips. Um, and I my my dad was teaching um, college in Nebraska. Mm. I moved up to Nebraska for a couple of years, but my, my sister went to UT, and she was uh, cutting out strips from the Daily Texan. And I don't know how much you follow um, what happens with the Daily Texan, but uh, I mean back in the early nineties, with some mad crazy talent doing mm. strips with the Texan at the time. Yeah. I, don't, I haven't really followed it since, but in the early 90s, there was Chris Ware, who, if you don't know who that is, it's like that you've got a lot of really great things ahead of you because Chris Ware is an incredible uh, graphic novelist, world-renowned artist at this point. Um, it was uh, oh, Robert Rodriguez. Yeah. The Robert Rodriguez was doing yeah. comic strips you know, for the Daily Texan. Uh, a guy named Tom King who went on to write and direct Spongebob mm. and Futurama and did storyboards for The Simpsons. Uh, Jeanette Moreno, who also wound up doing storyboards for Futurama The Simpsons mm -hmm. Walt Holcomb who also went on to do stuff for uh, um, A Kid Notorious and I believe the Puffy Ami Yumi show oh, if you're wow. familiar yeah. with that <laughs> uh, uh, Carl Greenblatt who his his baby was uh, Chowder uh -huh. if you're familiar with comic cartoons yeah. and so yeah I mean, hotbed of yeah. major talent. So I was like, that's the place I need to be. So that's right. what brought me to Austin was uh, I was like seeing all this talent. So I aspired to uh, to write and draw my own strip in the Texan. And I got I came in and kind of tried to elbow in with 
hey yeah. me too me too <laughs> and um and then all those guys i had a little you know like side a little you know detour with the band and started writing music and mm. and you know um a, a little bit about that little journey but right. in the meantime all those guys that i just mentioned were getting all interested in animation at the same time and i was waiting tables between touring with the band right and uh a couple of them came in and said, "Hey, why are you waiting tables? They, they, they've got this studio down the street that's doing animation. They, they're really, you know, hard up for people. They need people to come in and help them um, finish this straight to DVD collection of animated films that uh-huh. they've got, kind of under the gun to finish it." Right. I was like, "All right, well, that sounds better than waiting tables." So I went down there, and they were doing on-the-job training for anybody who could draw. Mm-hmm. So I just you know, showed them my portfolio, and they took me on. And um, and a month later. So I, you know, got the job. They hired me up, and and they were training me. A month later, they landed a big contract with Warner Brothers. Wow! So I was like, perfect, like timing, right place, right time. Uh, a month into my first animation job, I was drawing Bugs Bunny for Space Jam. Wow! And, yeah, and <laughs> and through you know, so through that studio, I worked on Space Jam, Anastasia, Quest for Camelot, Prince of Egypt, yeah. and it all kind of came at the right time too because this was '96. The band was kind of wrapping up. Um, you know, we had, you know, some hard times. Um, lost Steve, who was a big, in, you know, had a big part in writing the songs. He was our drummer, and he left. And and uh, I don't know. It just felt like the magic had sort of fizzled a little bit. I mean, I, Galspanic was, was one of the greatest experiences of my life. Um, I'll always treasure those memories. But, yeah. you know, 96, it was starting to wrap up. Yeah. And I was having a little bit of an identity crisis. I was like, well, I've been doing this band thing. Right. And now who am I? Uh-huh. And luckily, the animation thing just fell in my lap. So, yeah. Um, so that's how I've been making my living ever since. Not in feature films, but, um, I, you know, once once the, the, the contract work with uh, Warner Brothers dried up, moved over to video games because that's where, what this town has, you know. Right, right. And uh, that's... Wow, that's, that's it in a nutshell. Yeah, I didn't yeah, ramble. Yeah. You got to okay. Got, thank you for joining. No, that, that's good. Yeah, more I mean, than I, you bargained for. I, there. I, Sorry. I didn't realize that 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 sort of like that you sort of jumped in the deep end like that. You know, I just assumed that was you know you did the because I, I knew you did sequential art type stuff. Uh, I think I saw that on your website. I know you still kind of do a strip now. That you yeah. put up every so often, right? But I didn't realize that you kind of got that kind of on-the-job training to do the animation. That's, it was that's pretty amazing. It was an accidental career, which I, yeah. you know, I, I, more I talk to people, the more I realize it's kind of how a lot of yeah. a lot of careers are, yeah, are yeah. formed. Yeah. It's like <laughs> just falling into it, really. Right, exactly. Like, I just, you know, the, this thing that I'm working on now, I'm the line producer on, and I actually turned around and I was like, when did I become, when did I, because I never, no one goes to film school and goes, I want to be a line producer. You right, know what I yeah, mean? yeah. But, it just sort of pretty similar to that, you know. I sort yeah. of fell into it and got trained. And to now do. you're working with some pretty big names, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. So it's yeah, so I, I definitely understand, but that's that's pretty mind blowing. I mean, because those are those are some big films you worked on, like, yeah. right out of the gate. Yeah, yeah. So what was it? I mean, I guess what was the hardest part about making the transition from doing, I guess, static quote unquote sequential art to moving into the animation world? Because at that time, you guys are still working with like cameras, and so you're not. Yeah. Like, oh, not yeah. We were on on paper. Yeah. You know, stacks of paper. Uh, you know, it's incredibly time consuming, really tedious work. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like yeah, you work on on a stack of paper, and you try to get the animation just right, and then you bring the stack to the cameraman, and he, you know, takes an hour or so to shoot it. You know, on the uh-huh. stat camera thing, and then he comes and finds you and hands you a VHS tape. Of course. This is the mid '90s, you know. Right. Hand you VHS tape. You take the tape to the viewing room, pop it in, watch it 
watch it again, you know, watch it in slow motion, step through it, see what works, see what doesn't, then go back to your table and start, you know, try to fix it. Right. And it's like this really long, labor-intensive process. Um, so, yeah, it's really old school. I didn't even touch a computer until, you know, much later. Yeah. Um, what was difficult about, I think... I don't know. I mean, it, it's a diff- completely different animal altogether. Right, right, you know? right. Yeah. I mean, did you find it hard to... Because one of the things I've, no- I've noticed, you know, about the stuff you do, even though some of the, like, you know, a boxer story may not look exactly like the Ted Zone or whatever, but wow, I you can still tell... Do that you know this? <laughs> I, I research. That's great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but but I can still tell that it... Like, for, for the most part, I can tell that's a Lance thing. Like, uh-huh. he drew that. Like, was it hard for you to go from your style and your sensibilities to doing the ha- you know the, being on model for all that stuff like doing the yeah. house version of right. Bugs, Bugs Bunny that looks like Bugs Bunny you know what I'm saying I do yeah. um, well I mean they, they they take great pains to make sure you do yeah. you are on model and they give the you know each each I mean the entry level position is is the cleanup department. So I, you know, when I mm-hmm. started there, I was in the cleanup department. So I'm not actually doing the the motion. The motion is all spelled out for me by the animator okay. in these really rough blue line drawings. Yeah. And then I take them, and it's my job specifically to make them look like the established Bugs Bunny. Okay. You know, so I've got like this huge binder of you know Bugs Bunny in every from every angle and every okay. expression everything so that you just got that on your desk the whole time just thumbing through it trying to match those expressions and and it gives you little guidelines as to like you know three whiskers here and mm. make sure that they're you know like this shouldn't be jagged here make sure your line is this way and, and so it's, right. yeah there's a whole style bible that you have right. to really be, you know familiarize yourself with to to get it right but i mean i took to it i uh, you know it was it was interesting and and fun yeah. and yeah Okay, so after you you did the work on the Warner Brothers movies, like where what what came after that? Like was was the Linklater film directly soon after that? No, or? no. So yeah, um, we worked on all those films I just mentioned in just a, a span of about two years, okay. uh, and then like I said, the the, the work dried up. Um, Warner Brothers stopped filming because they i guess th- what they did was they had a lot of satellite studios that they were just sort of like farming with the work out to right and they kind of changed their format and decided to keep everything in-house and at that time i was like i decided i would i'd make a go of trying to to work directly for them and yeah. i actually got landed an interview at the london studio okay um and flew over there but then in the time between the time that they said come in for an interview and the time I could actually be there they shut the studio down and that was I was really heartbroken because that was going to be Iron Giant that I was going to be oh, working wow. on yeah, yeah which would have been a really cool yeah. thing to say um, but anyway uh, and I didn't feel like moving to LA at the time yeah. um, so I, I decided to go ahead and pursue video game work and worked in video games from I guess it was 98 yeah until about 2004 I think okay so uh, I guess yeah a good six years in video games video game work and then um, in that time I had met Bob Sabiston <coughs> excuse me you, yeah. you know you know Bob yeah, yeah. okay so uh, Waking Life Bob Sabiston right. and he uh, I met him because uh, an old friend of mine from high school knew that I was doing animation and she said 
um, hey, I'm dating this guy who is also an animator. I'd like to, to introduce you guys. And I was like, okay. And I was like feeling all cocky. I was like, yeah, I, I'll meet your little animator friend, you know. <laughs> and uh, um, so I went over to his studio and he showed me um, this short he was working on called Snack and Drink. And I could not believe my eyes. What he what he had written the software. This is MIT graduate, you know, mm-hmm. who had written the software. Had, you know, came up with the idea of how to do it, and and animated himself using this software that he himself wrote. And it was just mind blowing. It was incredibly cool looking. And he was about to break ground on this feature film with Linklater, which was Waking Life. Mm-hmm. And he asked if I wanted to work on it, but I, I was. Um, I was employed over at a place called Humicode at the time, mm. and I just didn't have the, the spare time to put in, um, which I, I wish I'd have done. But um, but then, so I guess a couple of years later, I was uh, laid off from my job at Acclaim, um, and uh, and yeah, that's when he started on Scanner. Okay. So that's when I went over and started working for him. That was 2004, right? I think 2004. Yeah, I think so. Okay. So yeah, I mean it was a little lag time between that was, yeah. And what did you on specifically? What did you do on a scanner darkly? I was hired just as a production artist um, using the software that he had written to do this the the rotoscoping, mm-hmm. but there was a little bit of a shakedown. Um, it was kind of a um, a weird little hiccup in the production, and yeah. a lot of the the lead animators left. Okay. Um, and so. I became a lead animator. <laughs> Again, so, falling in. You, that's right. Yeah, that's yeah. right. So I, I got title credit on that one, yeah. which was cool. And I I actually remember seeing that in the theater and not really... I don't think I knew that you were part of the movie at, for whatever reason. Um, but I remember in the... Because we saw like a press screening of it or something to where everybody was sort of making sure to stay there and watch the credits. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And I was like... Lance Meyer, are you fucking kidding me? Yes. So, so yeah, I remember seeing your name on the on the roll there. That was one of the funnest jobs I've ever had. It was super fun because you know, um, having worked in in video games for like the six years before that, yeah, video games are, are a different thing altogether, and it's you know uh, working with three D software, and not everyone there shares my love of of old school right. you know comics and stuff, but. Everybody at Scanner, I mean, since it was a different approach, it was it was rotoscoping, and yeah. so they were more hiring li- like illustrators than yeah. animators to, to work on that. Yeah. So you know, it was like fifty. I was in a room with like fifty other people who really loved to draw. Yeah. And they all knew I could I could mention Mort Drucker or yeah, you yeah. know, and they would be they would all exactly, geek out yeah, with yeah. me, you know. Yeah. So it was super fun, and I don't know, it was, it, I, it was a great experience working on that one. Yeah, it sounds like it. So just to sort of backtrack, when you were working in the video game world. What ex- what exactly were you doing there? Like, was it was it more like character modeling type stuff? No, well, my first job was, uh, and this was great too because you know, so the Heart of Texas studio that I mentioned, they they were starting to go under because you know the the contract work had dried up, and the uh, production manager recommended me to the art director at um, Human Code, for me to go over and get a job. So um, that's how I got the interview. And while I was in the interview. I believe he was the president of the company. Was walking through the halls uh-huh. and saw me, and he was a Gals Panic fan. Oh wow! And so he stuck <laughs> his head into the room. He was like, "Hey, Lance Fever, you know, I'm glad you're interviewing here." And I was like, "So, do I have the job?" <laughs> yeah, right. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's really cool. So, um, but at Human Code, uh, that's where I learned how to use Flash. Okay. And and so we were doing 2D work, still doing 2D work there, 
and and that's where I learned how to do uh, yeah Flash, and I sort of started picking up 3D Studio Max there. Okay. Um, but I but it wasn't until I, I got the job over at Acclaim that I really started doing 3D studio work. Uh, I was actually hired at Acclaim to do concept art for okay. for a, a downhill mountain biking game, um, but that. I think that that project got canceled. Like I don't think it ever really got started. I was, I was doing the concept work, but it never really came together. So they right. just moved me over into the animation department, and I was doing stuff uh, using 3D Studio Max at the time. Okay, and um, was um, I mean, what was the learning curve like? Were you sort of training yourself as you went, or did you have to? I mean, was there were you apprenticing under somebody that showed you how to use it, or like how did you? Figure- you know, I, I think. When you're in a studio situation and everybody around you is doing something, yeah. you know, and you're looking over their shoulder, it's so much easier to yeah. learn than by yourself, you know. Yeah. Uh, actually, what had happened was, um, I had started work doing my own films at Human Code. I, you know, once I saw how easy Flash was, yeah, and I didn't have to take those stacks of papers to the cameraman right, and all this right, sort of right. thing. You just hit enter and you get to see yeah, the work. Yeah. I was like, hey, I can make my own films. So I started making my own films and sent them out to film festivals and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And uh, and the first one I did had had some success. I mean, it was yeah. uh, wound up on like being purchased by a couple of um, Eastern European HBO networks wow. and on PBS and a place uh, channel up in Canada called Moviola. And uh, it was super fun. It's like it didn't pay that great, but it's like I just was looking for an audience. You yeah, know? yeah, you get um, in front of people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so my second one that I started, um, I had an idea where I was a big fan. I've always been a big fan of the old Max Fleischer uh, yeah. cartoons, right. where he would build the sets. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about? Like yeah, he would yeah. build the sets, and they were actual models. Yeah, and he had like invented a system where you could shoot the cells being held upright, right, right, over, like in front yeah. of the models. Yeah, yeah. So as he pans across them, they're like it looks like it's 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 a real background. You yeah. know, I loved that look. And so I had this idea I'd seen at Human Code. I was doing 2D artwork, but I was sitting next to a guy who was doing 3D artwork with uh, with 3D Max. I was like, hey, this gives me an idea. I'm going to put my 2D characters mm. into your 3D worlds, and we're going to do a Max Fleischer co- cartoon. You know, like yeah. we're going to make it look like that. Yeah. And um, and he agreed to help me. He he agreed to build the backgrounds, and I would do the the 2D animation, and we'd make a film together. Yeah. And then like halfway through it. Uh, um, human code went under and laid everybody off and he got the job at Acclaim and brought me over there but he was too busy with Acclaim stuff to do the backgrounds and in the meantime I had gotten a grant from the Austin Film Society to make the film Right. so I was kind of like under the gun to actually get it done get it done yeah and he was no longer available to do the backgrounds so I just sort of had to force myself to learn it so I could finish the film right so that's kind of what forced me to learn 3D was like so I could finish those backgrounds and get that film made right and uh so that was that was where I learned 3D you know just being around those guys and then sort of just being like forced to take over that part of of the production gotcha gotcha so um you made you made the short film that you just mentioned that you had some success with. Is that the one that I think you? I saw something where you mentioned John Favreau, one of his companies. Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. That was the Astronomer. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah, and that was like way before YouTube or anything like that. Yeah, you know, nobody knew anything about online distribution at all. Right. And 
including John Favreau, because <laughs> yeah, right. he, you know, they were they were talking about this big new world of online um, distribution, but it, but what really it wound up selling to these HBO networks, right? And stuff. Yeah. Right, right. Um, so, yeah, and what was after that for you? Um, um, okay, so yeah, uh, acclaim. Okay, and and like I said, when I was at acclaim, they they shifted me over to the animation department there, then scanner. Okay. And then, and of course, Scanner was only like a year-long, you know, deal because once right. the film's over, you're done. And then I wound up over at uh, a place called Fizz Factor where we did uh, Nintendo DS games. Okay. Yeah. And, and still sort of doing the same thing you were doing at the other. Right, but it, but it, at, at Fizz Factor, I, I became um, the art director of the of the studio. So okay. Um, so I was doing a lot of things: concept art, animation, whatever needed to be done. Okay. And. Uh, uh, for the handheld DS games, which is super fun, you know. Right. Year-long production schedule, uh, you know, small teams, you know. That was nice. Okay, cool. Yeah. And then where did, like, uh, I guess we mentioned the Ted Zone earlier. Like, where did sort of... Right. Like- that was during where I was when I was at, at Fizz Factor. Ted Zone came along. I had... Uh, and is that something, something you did sort of <coughs> on your own time? Or was that something you were working on... During the day, I, I, uh, yeah, spare time. Job. Yes, well, yeah, um, cracks in the schedule filled with Ted Zone. Yeah, got, <laughs> got you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, that was that was a fun deal and and paid actually pretty well. Yeah. You know, so the guys from um, it's like an offshoot of the Adult Swim William Street Studios. Right. Actually, they flew me out there. I got to like tour the William Street Studios and see all the Adult Swim productions and everything. Yeah, that was great. So is that something they? tapped you to do is that or is that something you started doing and they got interested in and then bought it's kind of a weird story okay so i guess it goes back to the fact that my daughter was going to a rock and roll camp mm-hmm. and while we were at one of her um little recitals or whatever you call it concerts yeah, yeah. uh I saw uh, Mike Judge there. Okay. And my wife was like, hey, that's Mike Judge. Go go make friends with him. <laughs> you know, I was like, okay. So uh, it turns out his daughter was going there too. Yeah. So I started, started seeing him at all the concerts and stuff, and we started talking, and, and I invited him to come see. One of my films was showing at South By, yeah. and he came to see that. And uh, yeah, he's um, you know nice guy. Yeah. Uh, so I guess what had happened was um, a guy in town, a filmmaker in town, had been working with i guess one of his friends was working for super deluxe which was the william street studio um offshoot thing that they put the ted zone together um so this filmmaker contacted mike judge's studio asking for a recommendation like who out there in austin can can animate my film Uh my little um web series okay and mike said me so mike pointed him in my direction and so he called me up and said, hey, uh, Super Deluxe is this new website, that, and they want me to do this web series. Can you animate it? And we talked, and we negotiated a little bit. But it turns out he didn't um, – like, I saw his his project. I thought it was cool. And I, I kind of – it's like, for me, I'm, I don't know if I would call it a control freak situation. It's like kind of thing. It's like he showed me the script. I was like, okay, I can uh, – I can cast this. I can take these people. I can find your voice actors. Mm. I can storyboard it. I can animate it. I can mm. do everything you need me to do to make this come together. Um, you you pay me, and I come back with a project. Mm. You know that's how I wanted to operate, and I don't think you wanted to operate that way. Yeah. So I mean, it was cool and everything, but it just yeah. didn't work out. Yeah. Um, but um, that's what called. That's what put me on their radar. And they saw that I had some. They asked me because uh, I'd showed them like samples of my work and said yeah. I might be do- working with this guy. 
I don't know. It's like long story short, that's <laughs> we're already long. But anyway, no, that's fine. Uh, it's totally fine. Yeah. So that's how I wound up with you know hooking up with those guys. I pitched them the idea of the Ted Zone, uh-huh. and they saw it and said, "I've got just the voice actor for you." And that's how I wound up working with Toby Radloff. Okay. From are you familiar with Toby yeah, Radloff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So um, they hooked me w- up with Toby. Toby was in Cleveland. And they they found me a, a an audio or a, a recording studio uh, there, and I would just phone in, uh-huh. and Toby would be there, and I'd direct him over the phone. Wow, and it was super fun. Yeah. You know, he was a cool guy. Cool, cool. So I guess at what point during this time do you start sort of cons- thinking about doing a boxer or boxer story? I actually wrote boxer story like 25 years ago like i oh, wrote really? it a long time ago actually uh it was a little I, I wrote it as like a little graphic novel story okay that was my next back, question yeah back yeah. when i was still doing comics, comics you know stuff, yeah. and i had even done a little thing that was published in a little uh, uh a friend of mine had put together this monthly um, collection of comics and and so my first boxer story thing was like this little one page thing that introduced to me the boxer okay and so that was something that kind of percolated, you know. And when I wrote it, uh, it was like this, you know, mammoth project. It was like, you know, 20, 30-page story. Yeah. And I thought, there's no way I can animate this by myself. You know, yeah. 20 minutes of animation by myself? I don't think so. Um, and then, you know, I did The, uh, the Astronomer, and then I did uh, Subsidized Fate, which I mentioned before. I did, like, I started, you know, doing my own study, and then, uh, what, six nine episodes of ted zone yeah and i look back and i realized well if you put all those together right that's at least half an hour <laughs> right, of work right. if i had started animating this thing would be done by now <laughs> um so i went ahead and dove in and decided to try to make it and sure enough it's been it's taken me many many years but it's uh it's getting there yeah yeah for sure um just to back to just so people get an idea of the, the time like when you're doing a when you do a short film like the astronomer or you know one of the others how from start to finish, how long would that normally take you? The astronomer took me two years. Okay, um, but I mean, looking back on it, I, I could have done it. You know, like knowing what I know now, I yeah, could do it. That was your probably, first. Like, yeah, that was my first one, yeah. and I was doing it in my spare time, and you know, yeah. just by myself in the evenings and whatnot. And you know, again, if I, if I had, if, if faced with that kind of production right now, I could probably do it in four or five months. Yeah, and you said you did that in Flash. In Flash. Yeah. In Flash. Okay. Flash, uh, After Effects, and Premiere. Okay, got you. Um, <clears throat> But yeah, uh, Boxer Story is a much more uh, in-depth production. Yeah. So when uh, you, I, I think you did, you did the Kickstarter for that in like 2012. Is that sound wow, about? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. You are good. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just looked all this stuff up. I remember when you did it though, because I you know would remember reposting it. And stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I guess did. did at, at what point did you sit down, sort of rewrite the script, and then cast it, and do all those things you just talked about doing yeah. with the boxer story? I mean, was that something you just said, okay, it's time to make this, or was that did you do that over a, a longer period of time? Well, I think I think I was a little bit um, discouraged by Ted Zone um, okay. because it was a super fun thing to do, and you know, it was, it, it was like my own work. I wrote it. I came up with all the characters. I mean, I I did everything with it, and it was mine, and I pitched it, and somebody liked it enough to buy it. Right. And buy nine episodes of it, which was super cool. Some of it wound up on Adult Swim, and it was just like, wow, that's so incredible. I was really happy. But there was still a part of me that was the whole time waiting for that phone call to say, we love Ted Zone so much, we're going to make it into a TV show. Right. You know? That was like, and when that call never came, 
uh, I, I was kind of like, am I really any good at this? Is like, mm-hmm. did, did, why didn't this, why wasn't this my, you know, Aquacine Hunger Force? <laughs> you know yeah, yeah, like, I, I, I can uh, relate in a, in a different way, but I can totally yeah. relate to that. Yeah, and, and so, and, and they were always worried about the numbers, like how many hits did you get, how many, you know, like, and how can we tweak this and get more jokes in it, and how can we make this, you know, more palatable and whatnot. And I was kind of just put off by the whole thing. Yeah. Um, and I, I decided to, to just uh, resign myself to making an art project that yeah. could be mine, and I wasn't going to worry about how many hits it got. Yeah. And I wasn't going to worry about whether it was successful or not. I was going to make what was important to me. And, uh, and it, and it is a weird animal because it's, it's going to be a little over 20 minutes long. Yeah. It's not super funny. It is a little bit of a funny idea, but it wasn't written to be a, a like a super laugh out loud comedy. It was yeah. written to be an interesting story. Yeah. And, it's not going to be easy to to program in a in a festival, and it's not going to be easy to find like a, a specific audience for it. Yeah. So it's not going to be a commercial success at all, or maybe not. I don't know. Right. Yeah, you <laughs> like, never know. But but the point is that I, I'm not worried about any of that stuff. What yeah. I want to make is is a story that I think is interesting and cool. Right. So I can just you know win my Academy Award and go back to work. <laughs> <laughs> Got you. <laughs> I'm right? on board. <laughs> so, so what was it that drew you? Even back when you did the 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 comic book or graphic novel version of it, what was it that drew you to the boxer story? Like specifically, like have, is that just something that's always you've been into, or I, I is it based yeah. on somebody you know? Or no, I don't know, man. I think uh, I think it has to do with um, you know anybody who's ever tried to. To, to follow their their dream and and it's there's such a minefield of you know some people will say never give up always follow your dream you know yeah. and then some people will actually come out and say um it maybe this isn't for you you know it's a simon right. cowell kind of thing it's like right. uh and and you're doing them a favor by telling these people who you know really aren't as tal- talented as they want to be the, to just you know maybe this isn't for you that sort of thing there's there those two approaches to, to those two aspects also that you know like um if if you believe hard enough you can do anything yeah and therefore if you're not doing anything you want then you're not believing hard enough so somehow it's your fault mm-hmm. you know yeah uh all this like minefield of like if you don't succeed at what you really really pour your heart into where do you go from there how does it how does it feel how do you survive it how do you like how do other people view you yeah. all sort of things so boxer story is really about pursuing a dream when everything is stacked against you and all those little pitfalls of like who's going to believe in you and who's not right and what's you know is it is it right for you to pursue something that you're sort of destined to not get yeah are you admirable for doing that or are you a sucker for doing that? Or, you know, it's like all these things wrapped up. So I think, uh, you know, it's, it's at the, hopefully it, it'll speak to anyone who's ever like really tried that kind of thing. Right. You know? Right. I don't know. It's yeah. Funny. I mean, I think that I didn't think about these things, I guess when I've watched the clips that I've watched, but you saying that I totally see that in there and I also think that that's probably what spoke to me about it you know mm, what I mean yeah okay because I've gone through the same sh- stuff yeah yeah you, yeah you bring it up you know what I mean and I think it's you know what's interesting is I think that there's a lot of there's 
there's room for a lot of stuff like that, or there's there's a, there's a hunger or a want for things like that that are those stories like that that are honest. And it's like what's funny is that the things that I've noticed that hit those notes the truest lately are animated prod things like oh, yeah. like BoJack Horseman. I don't know if you ever watched it, but it's it's a huge show on Netflix. Mm. Like it's one of their Netflix produced. Things. Yeah, yeah. And initially starts out as like a crazy like slapstick animated comedy about like anthropomorphic horse guy mm, but yeah. it quickly becomes like one of the most honest depictions of a person that's inherently a bad person trying to be a good person oh okay you know, yeah, like, yeah how can this animated thing be hitting all these notes that right live people yeah you know, like yeah but well, my favorite thing i mean i and i i think a lot of people will agree with me it seems to be doing very well is uh, rick and morty oh like, yeah holy shit again the same thing happens it's like you're watching it for the crazy out there jokes but then like things hit you so hard like, there's it, there's yeah. so much of that that's so haunting and just yeah. hits you like in a deeper weirder place than you right. expect it to you know right right like the the button on the end of the one episode where rick goes in the garage and sets the thing up to like kill himself and then he passes out you know barely <laughs> yeah. misses. i'm like how did i just what you well know? i love the uh well there's so many things that i love yeah. about it, but the one like when he's tiny rick oh yeah, yeah and he's he's, he's like what for help yeah screaming like anytime he does something artistic yeah. the 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 cry for help comes through right and morty's the only one who notices right, you know right, right yeah there's something really haunting about that yes. you know yeah yeah and i just i really i dig that stuff and it, it seems like animation is sort of like the place where that's really bubbling up and you know yeah, you know, shining because you know you kind of you have I guess a little more latitude or, you know, uh, maybe the I don't want to say the stakes aren't as high, but you know what I mean. Like you don't have to worry about it being such a commercial product, you know, like mm, a, yeah. like, a, like a big blockbuster movie. Right, it has to be so milk toast in its message. You know what I mean? Like sure, you, you, sure. Can, you can do some more complicated things. Um, but the reason I ask about the boxer thing is like another thing that I noticed it. The the and again like all I've seen are the little clips that you put up, but. It just it just seems so real, in a sense that, you know, like it it seems like it would belong like a, along, some of the other great boxing stories. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> I, like I like I believe you know, like I believe that this guy is a guy that's trying to be a good boxer. And mm-hmm. It's like even down to the, like the little clip you have on your site where he's hitting the speed bag in the trailer park. I'm and and I only say this because like for a while when I was younger I'd box for a while. And oh, okay, like, yeah. His stance is true. Like he's doing it. Like it looks like he's really boxing. Oh, cool, you know? yeah. You know, like his feet are pointing the right way. And so I'm like, this guy really took care to make this a real thing. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah. So that's why I was asking to see. If- well, and I think you know the uh, it, it's it's trying to play towards. Um, well. I think it's a little bit of a remnant of of a, a a series of strips I was doing, you know, 20 years ago or whenever it was. I was first coming up with this story was I was trying to play with with different cultural things like like you know when you think of boxer movies, there's always going to be certain elements in there, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and I think a lot of that was established by the popularity of, of the Rocky movies. Right, you know, it's right. like you got the trainer, you got the you know down and out, you know, like l- lower class, you know, guy who's really trying to break out, right. and and just a, a, a lot of Americana culture, you know, like lower class Americana culture, you mm-hmm. know, that's that's going into it. And at the time, I was I was juxtaposed. I was doing things with like gangster types, where there's like really entrenched in like a as just an example, like really entrenched in some sort of uh, Italian mafioso kind of thing. Mm. But then the 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 
the guy that owes them money is a is a an Indian statue, like a like Shiva or something. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, or I did a, a a comic strip where it was like a a treasure hunt, and there were these um uh, these uh this captain of this ship who was looking for a treasure, and yeah. and his his ship was being um, taken over by a government agency that was going to try to find the treasure first and you know the the authority figures in the government were um, like the the tiki head statues <laughs> where it's like trying to like juxtapose weird cultural right. elements where they don't belong yeah 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 and so I was playing around with that in, in Boxster Story too where it, like uh, really entrenched in that uh, that that culture of you know, like all your famous boxer stories with up and coming, right. you know, lower class guys, not the smartest, but then throw in some sort of like really absurd element, right? And that's that was sort of the birth of, of a boxer story. Gotcha. Um, and so I don't know, I don't know where I was going with that, but no, no, no. Uh, it's, uh, talking about a, the boxer element of it, right, and where that's bo- coming yeah, from. Yeah, yeah, you know? absolutely. Um, so. And you mentioned so you, you did the Kickstarter in 2012. It, it was successful, as I recall. Right? Yes, it was. Mm-hmm. Okay. So and you, I think you you mentioned and I saw that you should be finished with the animation this year, right? The the plan is to have it done uh, by middle of of next year, which is two, yeah 2017. Okay, yep. got you. And are you are you still working within Flash and After Effects? Yep. Yeah, all that. Same? Yep. Okay. Same thing. Cool. And did you? Are you still doing it all yourself, or did you have to hire on other people to help you? When when I got the Kickstarter money, I was really in hopes that I'd be able to just knock it out by hiring a little team. Yeah. But when <laughs> whenever I would get somebody who said that they were interested, as soon as they saw how tedious, because I was I'm using Flash, I'm not using any of the tweening effects. Right. I'm not like I'm I'm doing it old school yeah. as if I were working on a light table. Gotcha. But I'm just using a Wacom tablet instead. Yeah. So I'm like not using any of the the you know time saving techniques. Right. Right. It's like very tedious drawing every frame by hand. Yeah. And every time I would show someone <laughs> how I'm doing it. That was the last I talked to. Him. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't really find a team that was really interested in doing it the way I was wanting to do it, except for uh, a, one guy. Uh, his name's James, who saw the Kickstarter. He lives in in England, uh-huh. and he said he wanted to help. Yeah, and God bless him. He's still on board, and wow. I st- still send him scenes, and he's like, he, you know, he paces himself because he he has jobs too, you know. Yeah. But in in his spare time, he. You know, a couple months go by, and he'll send me the scene finished, and it looks great. Cool. So, I mean, I'm doing the lion's share of it. I'm doing, I'd say, 95% of this whole thing is is all my animation. But um, here and there, you'll see work by this English guy who mm. volunteered to help me out. Nice. Yeah. So how do you, in that process, I guess, how do you dele- decide to delegate what he's going to get versus what you do? I mean, is or is there a specific thing that he does... Well, I, I, I've tried to keep it, you know, I do the main characters, uh-huh. and I always had in the back of my head that I was going to have a hard time doing the crowd scenes, because, okay. of course, there's a big fight. Yeah. Spoiler, yeah. there's yeah. a big fight at the end. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, um, and, of course, there's a big, you know, a lot of big crowds yeah. uh, at the fight. And I always had in the back of my mind, like, okay, I'm going to do this, but I don't know how I'm going to pull it off. It's right. going to be a lot of work. Uh, and he's helped me out with the crowd scenes um, cool. a lot. And uh, and so he does a lot of background work. And then um, and then I, I sent him one of the A scenes. Like, the, just recently, I had this very long scene. Turns out, like, some of the stuff I was sending him, 
uh, were walk cycles, and turns out he can do a really good walk cycle. Uh-huh. And so I sent him like like one of the main characters has this big major entry scene that I totally lifted out of Mean Streets. Uh-huh. You familiar <laughs> with Mean Streets? Yeah, yeah. You know De-, De Niro walking in? Yeah, yeah. Shot for shot, <laughs> I've got an uh, uh, an homage, wow. my my Scorsese homage uh, of of one of the bad guys coming in. He's walking into the to the the room, and it's like it's it's that De Niro entry scene. Nice. And and so I sent that to him because he was so good with the other walk cycles, and it, it just sings. It's a good. Uh, I really I'm very happy with with the way that turned out. Awesome, yeah. awesome. Yeah, one of the things that I always remember about this project is I think in your Kickstarter video. You your log line for it or your your pitch is like it's Mean Streets meets Triplets of Belleville. <laughs> yeah, right. Which yeah. Um, like you got that may, immediately makes me want to see it. Yeah. Know? See, I, I love Mean Streets. That was a big influence on on how I'm approaching this. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Cool. And I love I love Triplets of Belleville. I, I Belleville. I remember seeing that at the Dobie Theater. Like right. That year. Oh yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's a really good. It's just a really good animated film. Um, so you're on. You know on. Uh, target to hopefully be finished by the middle of next year and then after you finish the animation what what are the next few steps for you uh animation will be done the next step would be sound design okay uh i got a really great guy lined up that uh, his name is louis lino he's a uh, uh uh he used to play with uh, not a surf oh wow and he's okay. got a great studio here in town and he's cool. going to do the sound design for it um and then uh, it's off to the festivals you know nice yeah nice cool well, i'm excited to see what it does um how so in casting the roles like did you did you kind of immediately from working with a lot of people on yeah. the previous things that you did did you kind of immediately know who was going to do what or did you do casting sessions or did you I didn't do any casting sessions uh, I did have a vague idea of who I wanted to approach yeah um, and I I, I I really hit out of the park with the, with the cast yeah. I mean I'm, this is the best group of people I've ever worked with as far wow. as voice acting um and uh, yeah, I mean, I had a vague idea, and I got them all together. You know, with the Ted's own stuff was a little bit rushed, and I was happy with, very happy with the way I got it done. But um, it was usually like, um, "Hey guys, we're recording. Show up, you know, at such yeah. and such time, and I'll hand you the script, and you can go in the booth." Right. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but with this, I actually workshopped it. I brought cool. him in. You know, invited him over. Like Austin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Invited right. him over, uh, and we all had you know pizza and sat and and did a reading and yeah, did nice. it several times and and you know tweaked it based on how it felt and uh, I think maybe some people traded roles here and there to get it really you know a good fit. Yeah, and it it worked. Wow, I'm really happy with it. My wife does a great voice. Her father does cool. an incredible voice. It's so good. And then I got a bunch of local actors and great. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, I, I, again, I can't can't wait to uh see what becomes of it because already i'm already hooked just by the little pieces thanks here. man um and we'll t- at the end of the episode we'll make sure to get your website out there oh, cool okay where people can go check it yeah, out yeah um so let's uh we brought you brought this up right before we started recording let's uh kind of go back to your other life and talk about what you're doing in the uh in the music biz yeah <laughs> yeah well i i had passed the torch for a little while uh to my daughter my daughter is ariel abshire uh she's a phenomenal musician she's had uh several records out um signed a uh, signed to a label at 16 yeah um yeah i think i mentioned she was at some rock camps at, at the rock and roll camp she caught the eye of uh uh oh why is his name escaping me um country music legend um alvin crow 
Okay. And uh, she sang with Alvin Crow for a long time at the Broken Spoke, uh, at the Austin wow. Music Awards. She was with Alvin and his band. And, um, and then she broke off and started doing some, you know, doing her own thing and signed with a label out of San Diego when she was uh, just 16. And now she's working on her fourth record. Wow. And uh, yeah, she's incredible. So Ariel Abshire, everyone. Yeah, definitely. Uh, she's playing actually, tomorrow yeah. night. <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah. Um, actually, no, tonight. I'm sorry. Tonight. Oh, tonight. But I guess it won't be up. Yeah. yeah, right. But, but keep an eye because yeah, I've actually watched uh, I. Uh, watch some of the youtube videos that i think you've put up and yeah she is very very good yeah she's incredible so yeah um so ariel and actually ariel singing on uh my new record oh, uh germ is. and germ and i put together a new band we you know germ lives in brooklyn now and um we had the idea to start kind of sending do the do the new newfangled uh emailing each other you know <laughs> files and, yeah. and playing around and that's how we've been writing some songs together and they're really stupid, really short, really weird little tunes. Um, that's sort of like no holds barred. You like do anything you want to do. It's like yeah. w- that's the beauty. I think that uh, my relationship with Germ has been so nurturing as far as the creativity goes. Because I know I can send him anything, uh-huh. ha- no matter how stupid it is, yeah. and he can make something cool out of it. Right. You know, and I, you know, I hope he feels the same <laughs> about <laughs> me. Um, so, so we've put together a bunch of songs that way. And we've picked the best of the bunch. We've been doing that for years, and, yeah. and we've picked the best of the bunch, and we're going to re-record them and make them into sort of real songs. Yeah, we're both super heavily influenced by like, Guided by Voices. Okay, um, cool. Ween. Yeah, you know, uh, of course, you know, Beastie Boys, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of thing, like that. Uh, that last track on Paul's Boutique. The, yeah, the, uh, I never know how to even pronounce it. B Boy Boulez or whatever it is, but. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. B- uh, I always thought it said booyah bass. Booyah bass. Yeah, that's yeah, it. Yeah, I think yeah. that's it. Yeah. 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 I'm yeah. an idiot. But, yeah, but I know what you Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, where it's like little snippets, because that track is little, right. like, just little parts of songs that they right. sort of mash together. Yeah. And I always felt that way about uh, the guy by voices, like uh, the album B Thousand, which is, I don't know if you're familiar with those I'm guys. I'm familiar with that one. Man. Oh, my God. That's one of my favorite records of all time. Uh, just little snippets of songs that yeah. are just sort of mashed together, um, you know, like, and and Ween for their like right. just home recording, like yeah. just not caring how silly it sounds. Yeah. Uh, well, was, you guys kind of do that on at, on that last track. That's right. The, that's right. Lance that, and Germ fuck, fuck around. The Lance and Germ fuck around. That's exactly what this record's going to be like. It's okay, like if you it. took, you know, that like a whole record, record, record of, of that. Record. Okay. That's what this is. Yeah. And well, it's funny because like I there are times. In my life, where I've been like, ever since I got that record, where I've just I've been doing, you know, you do something and something will pop in your head and you start mm-hmm. singing it, and not even, yeah, yeah. and I'll be like, "Power has made a <laughs> cola out of you." I'm like, "What is that song stuck?" <laughs> but you you've gotten stuck. I'm in making my a difference You're in the making world. A difference in the world, and uh, enhancing my productivity in some small way. So, <laughs> so yeah, that's cool, man. I, yeah. I, that's, so so the band's called A Monstrous Guts. That's that's the, okay. the the duo that we've put together is called a monstrous guts and Ariel sings on the record. We I went into the studio with Louis Lino, the guy who's doing my sound design. Yeah. Uh, went went in the studio with him last week, and Ariel came along and she's singing on it. And um, uh, Germ's doing all the music himself, yeah. and I'm doing all the vocals. And then Germ's actually coming to town in a couple of weeks, and we're gonna sit and and finish it up together. Cool. You know, just me and him doing silly stuff together in the studio, and it's gonna be awesome. Cool. Yeah. Looking forward to it. So, um, 
Yeah, man. That's I'm. I'm again. I'm so glad I got to talk to you because thanks like, for having yeah, me. Yeah, I, I love talking about this stuff, and I don't. I have no idea if any of it's interesting to anybody out there. Yeah, um, it's, it's interesting to me, Lance. Thank you. It's interesting. To me. <laughs> so, is uh, film wise, I guess movie before we we skip past that. So after a boxer store, I mean, is there anything else you're working on? Or I mean, I know that's filling your life right now, but is there anything else um, that's sort of coming down the road that we haven't mentioned yet? I don't. I don't have anything on the horizon as far as I mean. My, all my energy is going into uh, Boxer Story yeah. and A Monster's Guts. Cool. And uh, I work for, uh, my day job is, is at Space Time, still working on, um, you know, mobile phone games. Yeah. In the meantime, it's a great studio. I love those guys over there. Cool. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, that's what I've been working on. Okay, so, cool. Well, let's, uh, let's not forget to, uh, where can people find out more about everything you have going on? Um, that's a great question. I'm such an idiot when I don't know how to promote myself the best way possible. Really, the best way is, um, at this point, we're going to put... I've had a problem with my website lately, so I'm not okay. going to direct you there. Okay. Uh, if if you go to the Gals Panic Facebook page, that's okay. where I'm going to be posting a lot of updates on on a monster's guts. Okay. And I'll also uh, encourage you to go to the the Bandcamp Gals Panic page because I'll be posting things there as well. Okay. Um, so if you go, yeah. So if you're looking up Gals Panic stuff. Facebook and Bandcamp are the best right. way to, to find out new stuff. And it's the apostrophe S, right? No, no, no. no just G A L S panic. panic. Okay. Yep, yep. Okay. So, so band- sometimes it wouldn't it won't come up if you look on YouTube the wrong way or whatever. Oh, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so, so or the uh, game will come up. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, Bandcamp and, and Facebook for Gals Panic stuff. Okay, cool. And do you have like a Twitter or Instagram or anything like that? No. I had a Tumblr and I don't have it anymore. Okay. So no <laughs> so, okay. Yeah, so those are the best. And then I've got a, a Lance Fever, just one word, Lance Fever uh, channel on YouTube where I've posted stuff to. Okay. But really the news about what I'm working on as far as, um, yeah, uh, the Gals Panic stuff is, is best for Facebook. And I've got a, a Facebook page for, for Boxer Story as well. Okay. Yeah. So everybody out there, make sure you find uh, the Gals Panic, uh, Gals Panic Lance Fever and uh, Boxer Story pages on Facebook. Uh, make sure you keep track of what Lance is doing because uh, I take it from me, man. It's awesome stuff. I've been a fan for a while, and I think we're actually. You sent you emailed me a song. I did. So yeah. So we're gonna. That'll be the outro for the show. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm gonna commit to it now without having even hearing it, heard it, because I believe you. Oh, uh, thanks. Awesome. Are you sure? You sure about that? I'm totally sure. I'm totally sure. <laughs> All right. It's my show. I could do what I want. Yes. Uh, so once again, thank you for thank you for being on here with me, Lance. Um, you guys out there, please follow me at Upstart Film on Twitter. Upstart Filmworks is my website. And uh, check out this track from A Monster's Guts. A Monster's Guts, yes. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. You're very welcome. We'll talk to you guys next time.
lays me down and he's like, take off your shirt. Hey, he was he was good. He was a professional. Takes this warm, long. He loosens me all up, gets it done. And he's rubbing this thing all over. He's very gentle with me. I'm about to pass out. Dude's taking forever. And now I'm slightly out of breath. He squirts me down all over my belly. But he did say that I didn't have to put my shirt back on, which was weird. Oh, yeah. They also talk about comics. Long Box Small Talk. Weekly on bmoviesandebooks.com. Man, okay, yeah, so we live in a, we live in like the ghetto. It's like rough. They're just gangsters and shit. We have to keep Podcast all the windows closed. No money. We can't move. Like there's like there's like a shootout going on regularly. Why do you, okay, stop. Why do you say shit like that? <laughs> like, what? like, why do you, why does he say shit like we live in the ghetto and there's shootups regularly? Just for the clarity of the podcast, there's not. Two versus three, nerds with beers and opinions. A weekly podcast hosted by Cody, Kyle, and Greg. New episodes every Thursday at bmoviesandebooks.com.